Good morning, everybody. This is Zach said it again. I'm your host, Zach Cooley, and I'm honored to have with me on the phone uh, the spa guy. Now, your name is what? Billy. Billy is your actual name. That's my real name, yes. And you are from Nashville? I live in Nashville, Tennessee, yes. Well, it is a great honor to uh, have you on uh, my podcast. Thank you for being with me. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, what has drawn me the most, or, or what I usually do, is I do a podcast to back up um, an editorial column that I write. And my column is on the new Elvis movie. Now, mm-hmm. have you seen the new Elvis movie, and what is your opinion? Yes, I have, of course. And, and what is your opinion on that? Uh, well, it is about 80% false. Yes. That would be my, my first uh, thought on it. Uh-huh. Um, and what I mean by that is, is if, if you're looking for something that is uh, historically accurate, then this movie is not the... Is not the movie for you. Not the way um, to go. And they took a lot of liberties, and I think, from a standpoint of you know, they tried to say that part of their reason that they took the liberties was time constraints. Mm. But I, I would disagree with that. I mean, you could tell the correct story just as in the same amount of time that you could tell the incorrect story. Right. And uh, in my opinion, Elvis's story is fascinating enough. The way it really is. You don't really have to. Uh, you don't have to uh, to do anything special to make it more special. It stands on its own. It's it's pretty fascinating the way it really happened. Right, right. Now I am not as you clearly are. I am not what you would call an Elvis super fan. Right. I I would say that I I am in awe of the star quality of Elvis Presley. Yes. Elvis Presley, you and I are just two old Southern boys. Uh-huh. And when you get underneath all that, so was Elvis. So uh-huh. I think what... What makes me so in awe of him is that a typical Southern boy, just like you and me, has an extraordinary gift and an extraordinary talent and becomes, as we know him today, who who is the biggest star in the world. There's yeah, with, uh, without really any training of any kind. He yeah. just did what he did. And, and there is, to this day, no bigger star in the world than Elvis Presley. I would say that that is factual. You know, I've, he's been, uh, he's passed away. Next week will be 45 years, yep. or the actually the, the, the first of the following weeks. Yep. It'll be 45 years, and I can still go, you know, I go around the world filming Elvis history, and it still opens doors today. I can go in a place and say the name Elvis, and they will 
pull out the red carpet and want to show me everything that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is say that name. Now, do you have, this may be a dumb question, do you have any personal connection to Elvis? How did you become from a super fan to becoming the spa guy who has a pretty decent following yourself? Yeah, I've got a, uh, a bit of a following. Uh, you know, that's a great question. Um, not something that I set out to do. I became a fan, and no, I don't have any particular uh, connection to Elvis Presley. I've never met him. He died when I was 12 years old, and I lived in a little town in North Carolina at that time. Um, and a neighbor friend of mine, uh, his name's Troy Robinson. Troy, uh, we were friends in school, and he invited me to his house. And he lived about a block and a half from my house. And so one day I went over to Troy's house, and when I went in and went in his bedroom, he had a collection of uh, of records, of albums standing up. I remember them being over in the corner in his room, and they were there was a lot of albums. And when I say a lot, I'm going to say there was probably 40 or 50 albums, and they were, I remember them standing up, not laying flat. Over in the corner of his room, he had like a stand that they were in. And I asked him about them, and he said, oh, those, that's my collection of Elvis records. And so he started pulling them out and showing them to me and, and played a couple of them. And I ended up buying the Aloha from Hawaii concert mm-hmm. on cassette tape from him for a dollar. I was then in the seventh grade. And um, I remember going back to my house, and uh, actually we lived in a trailer at the time, and we had one of those old cassette players, you know, you stick the cassette in flat, push it down, had a little door. Mm-hmm. And I remember laying in my bed and listening to that concert on that, that cassette recorder, and just falling in love with the music, you know, the way it sounded, it was just something special about it, and I really liked that. So then I wanted to start learning about who this person was. So back then, which would have been 1977, he hadn't died yet. This happened just a couple of months before he passed away. And um, and at that time, you really couldn't find much about him, um, you know, as far as books and that kind of stuff. As soon as he died, um, basically every store that you walked into, whether it be a convenience store or the dollar store or whatever, or a grocery store, there was always a new magazine every month with new Elvis stuff and photographs and that kind of stuff. So that's really kind of how I got started was reading magazines. Mm-hmm. And then I started going over to the books. My ninth grade book report was a, a book that, uh, you remember, they did Scholastic Reader back then. Oh, yeah. And what you could do is buy the books. They would be very inexpensive, so you could pay three dollars for a book or whatever and I and the, the book was just simply titled Elvis Presley. Um and I did my ninth grade book report on that and just just was fascinated by the story and then you start learning about all these different characters in the story. You know, you've got Elvis of course, but then you've got the Memphis Mafia, you got Reg, you got Sonny, you got Joe Esposito, you got Priscilla, you got Linda, you got Ginger. There's all these characters in this story. And each one of them has their own story inside that. So I just always thought it was fascinating. And um, I got married in 1987. And the first real vacation that I took, my wife and I went to um, to Graceland in 1988. It was July the 4th weekend. And I borrowed a camera um, 
there was always something inside of me that wanted to film Elvis stories. And I can't tell, really tell you why, but it was just that thing. But back then, the video cameras, the quality was terrible. But I, I had a guy that was a friend of mine that happened to own a, a video camera, and I borrowed it took it with me. And I actually filmed, um, I filmed some stuff at the mausoleum. I filmed at the house. And I ended up uh, leaving my wife. You know, we'd been married, what, a little over a year, and I ended up leaving her in the hotel room and going and jumping over the fence at Graceland and going behind the house and going in the barns and taking photographs and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I was lucky. I, did, I got caught, but they didn't arrest me. They didn't have me arrested. They just held me for a period of time. But it's, I, I can't really tell you what the fascination is with it. Um, but I, I can tell you this, that it's a lot of fun to go film stories, find things. Uh, I was lucky enough to find the ambulance that they uh, transported Elvis in on the last day of his life, probably the last vehicle he was alive in. Um, there's, you know, you're, you hear different stories about that day, but in most cases, they actually defib him at the hospital. You don't defib somebody that's in rigor mortis. Mm. So the the stories that he was in full rigor when they picked him up, I do not find to be accurate. I have eyewitness testimony from people that I've interviewed that saw him that said that, that he had a faint heartbeat when he got there. Um, and he that they worked on him. They defibbed him. They tried to bring him back, and they just uh, to no avail. But I found that. I actually uh, uh, figured out that there's a bicycle that was at Graceland in the smokehouse. It's been there since they moved there in 1957. And I proved that that bicycle was Elvis's first bicycle. And it's been removed from the guard, from the, the smokehouse now. They've restored it, and it's actually in the museum saying that it was his first vehicle. And uh, so I've been lucky enough to find a lot of things. I've been to Germany, where else is in the army. I've been to Paris, where he went while he was in the army. I've been all over the Netherlands, where the colonel was from. I've been to the spot where the colonel was born in Breda, Holland, or in the Netherlands. Uh, Breda is what they call it. Um, so I've had a lot of uh, time over in Europe with all this stuff, but I've also filmed all over the United States. Uh, most recently, we went to the uh, crater in Winslow, Arizona, that there's home movies of Elvis and Priscilla and the entourage there in 1968. Um, and there's, or it could have been 67, I think 68 from my memory. Um, and I filmed in Sedona, which he filmed a, uh, a, a Western called Stairway Joe. It was somewhat of a Western, and he filmed some of it in Sedona and some of it in Cottonwood. And then we went and filmed up north of Los Angeles, um, uh, where he filmed some some pieces to a couple of different movies, uh, uh, Spin Out, and um, what was the other movie that was up in there? Speedway. And we filmed those kinds of things, and then went back to Las Vegas and filmed some stuff. So it's, it's the the most fun of it is going out and filming and talking to people and finding things and doing lineups and finding where this scene from this movie happened right here. Those kinds of things. It's just, it's just a, a lot of fun. Well, tell me, how are you the spog? All right, that's a great, great question. I am the spog guy because I own an outfit company 
in Nashville called the Spa Guy. We, we do hot put sales and service. And I actually own a company called Hot Put Parts of America. I own uh, American Spa Parts, Nashville Spa Covers, the Spa Guys. All, all of those are under the same umbrella. And Hot Put Parts of America. I also own Hot Put Parts of America Global, which is a worldwide hot put parts company. And basically the way I make a living is I sell hot put parts online. That's the biggest part of my company. I started uh, as a hot tub repairman, uh, just in my pickup truck going out and fixing hot tubs, and then it led to uh, selling hot tubs and then uh, selling parts online, and one thing led to another. And basically, uh, a man told me a long time ago, he said the, the key to success is, he said that, that you make 80% of your money off of 20% of what your business does. The key to it is, figuring out what that 20% is and getting rid of the 80 that's not really making you money. So that's what I've done. I've basically narrowed it down to where I only pretty much sell hot tub parts online now. And it's been very good to me and, uh, and my family. So it, it gave, gave me the ability to be able to go out and, and do this Elvis stuff and even create the museum that's in, uh, in Memphis, two miles from Graceland. Uh, the Tiger Man Karate Dojo Museum. I lived there for almost nine months, uh, about five days a week, uh, building that museum, which is where Elvis practiced karate at in the building. And I actually went there and more or less hand-built a museum <laughs> in a building that Elvis had been in. He, he got his seventh and eighth degree black belt in that building in 1973, 1974 uh, from uh, his karate instructor, Kong Ree. And um, I was lucky enough to go film that story at that building. It was a machine shop. And I told the guy that if he ever, that the building's ever for sale to call me first. And he did. He called me one day and said, hey, just want to let you know the building's for sale. So I put together a plan and purchased the building and went and turned it into a museum. Um, and put the ambulance in it, of course, and other artifacts. And a lot of the artifacts were related to the Elvis story. And what I'm saying is when I go out and film a story, I may have an artifact from that story that I put in the museum. And then when we're taking people through on the tour, I can say that this artifact is related to this story. Uh, like we found uh, Trey and I, my, I have a sidekick that I found with Trey. Blue Trotting mm -hmm. with Trey is his channel on YouTube. And Trey and I were standing in a, in a graveyard in Tupelo, Mississippi at Orville Bean's grave, which was, uh, Vernon, when when Elvis was born, Orville Bean would have been their landlord and also Vernon's boss at the time. Mm -hmm. And we thought that it was a possibility. A lot of people may not know that Elvis was a twin, and the, the first child died. His name is Jesse Guerin. And nobody really knows where that child is buried at. There's no definitive answer to that question. So we were thinking about maybe the child could be born where, or could be buried where Orville Bean was buried because that would have been his boss at the time and his landlord, and it's possible he would have given him a grave plot there. So we were standing at that grave talking about that and filming, and this guy walks up and said, you know, what are you guys doing? And we have a conversation with him, tell him about the Elvis stuff, and after about 20 minutes, he speaks up and goes, you know, 1955, my teacher gave me a... Um, a book that Elvis had written his name in. And actually, I'm telling you wrong, it was not 55, it was it was uh, 56. 
And so I said, well, you know, I thought he was going to say he sold the book or something. I said, well, what did you do? He said, I still got it. You want to see it? And, you know, it was one of those happenstances. He didn't know what we were there doing. And I had no idea he had a book that Elvis wrote his name in. So I went down to his house. We looked at the book. And what I was amazed at is a guy could walk in a room and come out with a book that somebody gave him in 1956. I can't find stuff I bought last week. You know, and he came out with that. And sure enough, Elvis wrote his name in that book in either 1946 or 1947. He would have been in the sixth grade. Uh, and his teacher's name was Miss Camp. And Miss Camp is who gave this guy that book in 1956. And he kept that book all these years. And a friend of mine, after, after discovering the book, I had, I called in all my friends that were collectors and a friend of mine, Tennessee Ted, uh, purchased the book and we had that in the museum as well with that story. And that is the oldest Elvis signature that is not in Graceland. Uh, and we found it standing, just happened to be run into a guy that had it standing in a graveyard in Tupelo. Wow. Well, I want to ask you about uh, some, some particular videos that okay. I enjoyed very much uh, because they were near my hometown. I have, I have lived all my life in Whitville, Virginia, which is, okay. which is, uh, at the crossroads of uh, the the crossing of Interstates 81 and 77, um, I'm sure that up and down the road you've been through here many times. But it's it's uh, about 75 miles west of Roanoke. So if I, 77 goes past Roanoke, right? Yes. Okay. So so yeah, we were driven through there going to Roanoke. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Heading to, we were heading to Maryland at right. the time. Yeah. yeah, you probably, uh, uh, it's the halfway point between Florida and the Great Lakes. About 8,000 okay. 8, people, very, uh, very Mayberry-like. Um, at any rate, um, your video, uh, the half-hour one, about Elvis's visit to um or his three visits, rather, to, uh, well, a total of five, but three visits to Roanoke Civic Center um, right. in the 70s. That would have been, if I'd been alive and gone to see Elvis, that would have been where I would have gone to see him. Um, I've seen several concerts there. I've stayed at Hotel Roanoke, uh, where I didn't know he stayed, which I thought was very interesting, and you did a, a wonderful uh, history of of that. And it's a very nice hotel. Yeah, by the way. Yes, yeah. it is. Yes, it is. And very fortunate to have stayed there, especially knowing that Elvis has been there. And it's pretty interesting to know that it cost about fifteen. Uh, you know, people that uh, people that went to see him paid about $15. It's about $73 in today's money. And now my favorite performers are Genesis. And uh, when my daughter and I got to see them and my wife, um, that was about $250 a pop. So to be able to see Elvis for that kind of money, I think, was quite a steal. Um, yes. In today's money, Elvis would be a billionaire. 
Oh, yes. He didn't, he didn't make very much money. In the 70s, he made about $4 million a year, Yeah. Uh, which is still a lot of money, don't get me wrong. In yeah. the 70s, it was a lot of money. But yeah. it's still, compared to what his potential would have been in today's dollars, that, that was nothing. Right. 